Welcome to Terminal Talk, the podcast about mainframe and mainframe related topics. And we're here at uh, TechU, um, coming up at the end of TechU, and our guest is Glenn Anderson. Not just any TechU, the IBM Z TechU. Thank you, the important one. There's a lot of TechUs. There's power TechUs, storage TechUs. And there's technical symposiums. Yeah, we're going to try to tighten the brand up next year and drop that word so that everything around the world is a tech you. Ah, there All you right. go. That'll be fun. Well, so here we are at the pretty much the end of it. There's still a couple more sessions left. How's it going? Well, I'm losing my voice. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. Probably means I've been networking too much with all the people that are here. Yeah, and we'll say networking. And, 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 yeah, late at night networking, really late at night networking with jazz bands in the background and things. But, no, it has been a terrific week. It's just been uh, fun seeing everybody. You know, all my Z-Buds are here, speakers. And people are in the hallways talking between the sessions. A lot of interaction. Speakers are telling me it's been a great week for interaction with the attendees in the different sessions. So, yeah, been very fun. Yeah, I heard a couple of people who were complaining that there were they had a hard time deciding which sessions to go to because there were so many good sessions against each other. Yeah, let me tell you about that. I uh, often, you know, people write evaluations at the end of the week, and sometimes people write that they were unhappy that there were so many things to choose from every hour. They didn't know what to do. And as a guy who builds the agenda for these events, I'm not sure if I should take that as a complaint or a compliment because I read it and I say, man, I built such a cool agenda. There's so many sessions. People don't know what to go to. But yet people are complaining about that. So I'm still trying to figure out if I should be happy or sad about that. So is that when you write back, sorry, question mark? <laughs> Actually, I send them a note and say, so send more people next year from your shop. I mean, that's the answer, right? One guy can't, right, can't, can't cover possibly everything. cover the whole thing. Yeah, so. but then i got to let somebody else do the really good. Oh, wait, that one's good, too. What do I, you know, I... I always have a hard time. I mean, you look at some of the people that are here and, you know, even as somebody who's been doing this for, for a very long time, you have a set of, of heroes, people that you can't miss. And uh, it's really hard uh, because I I want to go to every single one of Bob Rogers' sessions. I like to go to your <laughs> sessions, Glenn. And, and you know, I, it's really, really hard. I, I How do I choose? It's like choosing between gold and, and more gold. But, but let me give you the other side of that, too. We, I'm very excited that this year we have a number of relatively new IBMers who we gave the opportunity to each do one session, you know, on some technical area they've been working on. And so one minute you wander into a room with Bob Rogers, who's 200 years old or whatever, <laughs> and, and then the next minute, you know, you're with a, a young mainframer who's doing a presentation. I thought that was very cool this week, too. Yeah, I was surprised at the number of, uh, millennials that were either attending or or hosting sessions. Uh, it was it was great. I remember uh, I, I, it wasn't this this one. There was another tech you where somebody came into the room. You can see they were standing by the door, not sitting down and looking at their agenda, just trying to sum up: Am I staying in this room or am I going to the other one? <laughs> and I just from the front of the room said, "What other one are you thinking about going to?" <laughs> and they said, "Oh, it's uh, this thing, this thing, this thing." I'm like. Go to that one. I'll be around all week. I'll answer all your questions about this. It's like, okay, fantastic, great. And so we, after that, when we met up at lunch, I told them all about APIs and hybrid cloud. And I, 
That worked out nicely. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. That's yeah. a very nice thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest. <laughs> okay, but but you realize you are rated on the number of people come in and sit. So you know, there you go. There goes your rating. We're but, done. Uh, but I heard this is my last tech you anyway. Oh, so <laughs> a- apparently, if you insult the guy who runs it, uh, they throw you out. Yeah. Yep, that is absolutely true. <laughs> As the guy who runs it, let me verify that that rumor is true. <laughs> oh, well. But uh, it's been a great week. And for those of you listening at home, uh, you should think about coming next year. Submit a session. Yeah, submit a session yeah, if you want to be, be a speaker, absolutely. Uh, I'll put a plug in for client uh, experience sessions, user experience sessions. If you come and do one hour user experience session on any Z thing you've been doing in your shop, we'll give you free registration for the week. So there you go. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. We were talking about this at a, at a lunch session the other day. I t- I'm saying a lunch session, like it's in a, but it's where I learn a lot of stuff, and it's kind of related to my question. If you were to draw a pie chart of where you learn stuff at one of these things, um, there's hallway talk, there's stuff at lunch, you know, dinners, and just then there's the actual sessions themselves. Um, there's almost as much to be learned just by from casual conversations and interactions, uh, introductions, as there is formal classes like how would you break that down is that part of it that plays into the planning i'll tell you as personally as a guy who i come here to learn also and i go to sessions i often find that i listen to the speaker for the hour they talk about what they're going to talk about and then i catch them later on in the day in the hall or at one of the evening receptions or at lunch and follow up on stuff you know that they piqued my interest with in the session and so you end up spending 10-15 minutes with one of the speakers that's where I think I get the most value out of the week is those follow-ups after I've listened to the speaker for an hour and we try to provide lots of places to do that obviously the meals and there's receptions and the the vendor exhibition and things like that yeah it's hard to beat that that opportunity yeah well and and even uh, even if you don't like the speaker even if uh, that speaker didn't move me Everybody else in the room is interested in that same topic. So there's people that you can start to network with right in the room, even if the, the speaker didn't move you, which in actually here has not been an issue at all. But um, you're really in with people who really care about the same kinds of things that you do. And I think, it's, I think that's awesome. Yeah, you know, if people have any doubt that mainframes are going away, that the mainframe <laughs> community is shrinking to nothing, you just come to an event like this and you're surrounded by crazy mainframe people for five days. And, it makes, it makes and, you feel like you could walk out on the street and talk to anybody about their mainframe. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I stand at the uh, the bank ATM waving my bank card yeah. saying, there's a mainframe behind this ATM. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your yourself, uh, how you got into this position and your kind of your journey within the company in IT? Sure. Um, well, I was a computer science major in college and uh, – you know, the companies come and interview when you're a junior or senior in college. And pretty quickly, I figured out that I wanted to work for IBM because I could tell that you could do a lot of different things at IBM. You wouldn't just be a system programmer or an application programmer. You could really bounce around. And so I remember the day that the guy came, the IBM guy came, and I was so nervous about not screwing up this interview. And then they had you take an aptitude test. Did you guys? Yep, I I, 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 I passed. Yeah, yeah, the the aptitude test. I was afraid I'd screw that up. But (laughs) it all worked out, and I got hired by by IBM. And back in those days, those days being the, uh, like, late 1970s, I've been around a while, 
uh, they put you in a sales branch office. And so I started out as a systems engineer in sales branch. And early on, I, I realized that there were a lot of fun guys and ladies in IBM that were teaching. And I thought, ooh, now that looks like fun. <laughs> I've always been kind of an amateur actor doing that uh, on the side in my private life. And so I thought, ooh, teaching was the closest thing to acting I could probably find in <laughs> IBM. I suppose some people might say salespeople are actors, <laughs> but, but teaching. And so early on, I kind of pegged that as the area I wanted to get into. Yeah, I think uh, the big difference is that uh, salesmen are actors, but they're not really going for truth. They're going for sales. You are going for truth. I was going for truth, yeah, that's right. And, and I remember early on, I, I went to an internal kind of IBM conference training event, and there was a speaker from the Washington System Center, and maybe some of you listening to this will remember this guy. His name was Sibo Friesenborg. And I'm he sorry? was a. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just sneezed there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sebo Friesenborg, and he was an MVS tuning guy, performance and tuning guy, and and he did a presentation. The room was packed. People were standing in the back. You know, everybody came to hear Sebo. He was funny. He was smart. He was relevant. You know, people loved his presentations. And I looked at Sebo and I said, I want to be like that guy. You know, this was when I was still pretty young. And so I got myself into training, started teaching classes, tried to get as smart as I could at MVS tuning and that sort of thing, started to get invited, speaking at user groups and, and all that kind of thing. And I tried to, I mean, he was my idol. I wanted to become like SIBO. So I was an instructor in, in MVS training, ZOS training, you know, th for many, many years. And then we started in the 1990s doing these conference events as an extension of training, and I got involved with the mainframe uh, agendas for those. Uh, and today I do that full-time. So I'm a speaker at all of our events, the, the tech use that we run all over the world. But the things that you cover in your sessions, sorry, Frank, um, they're, they're fairly tech. Jeff, for those of you listening at home, Jeff just elbowed Frank, and Frank just <laughs> fell off his chair there. But it was pretty exciting if you were in the minutes. room. <laughs> um, your, your sessions are, 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 you know, you do a lot of uh, personal development and how to present and how to learn and stuff like that. But you also do a number of, of technical sessions. So how, how do you stay sharp while you're busy flying across the world? Yeah, I read a lot. <laughs> really have to read a lot. And, and, and IBM, even though you're inside IBM, they keep changing things so fast. Uh, and especially at a conference, you want to be absolutely current, make sure you're you know, saying things the way that uh, it is at the moment. Well, that's why I write all of my slides the morning of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're the guy that you walk in the room five minutes before the presentation, and he's up there uh, editing PowerPoint, you know, in the front of the room be before he starts. I've seen speakers do that. Yes, absolutely. But I, You're no, looking at two of them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it takes a, a big effort to stay current, absolutely. And so... You know, I, I go to events, obviously, so I get to hear people. That helps me. But I just I read a lot. I read blogs. I, I read the latest things that people are writing about and just, you know, try to work to stay as current as I possibly can. I, I read IBM manuals <laughs> and just try to when there's new releases, new products, things like that. Well, if you have insomnia, that'd be a great thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's true. You do conferences only now, right? You don't. You don't teach any classes. Right. Several years ago, uh, IBM outsourced the delivery of training to a number of global training provider companies. 
Aero, Avnet, Global Knowledge, LearnQuest. So they're the ones that do the teaching now. There's still some course development that goes on in IBM training, but the delivery is by those guys. And so when that happened, I became a full-time member of the event team that runs the tech universities. So, yeah, I do a couple things. I I build Z agendas whenever there's Z content. I'm one of the Z speakers, as Jeff was alluding to, but then I'm also – Uh, I've created these professional development sessions, and so if a conference doesn't have Z content, some of the smaller geographies are only power storage, then I show up and I do all these professional development sessions, so I I get to mix it up. It's a really fun job. My friends ask me what I do, and I say, IBM pays me to fly around the world and talk. (laughs) Two things that I love to do, so it's, it's really a pretty fun job, a good gig. Yeah, but you but a lot of these things are back to back, right? You you came here from Prague, Czech yeah. Republic. Last week was a power storage event there where I was doing all of my uh, professional development leadership kind of things. Yep. Does it get old? I mean, you're living out of a suitcase, you're You know, I don't mind the suitcase. I like the hotels. We all often these events are in very nice hotels, so and I get to unpack and stay for a week. <laughs> You know, I'm not George Clooney, you know, from the Up in the Air movie, you know, where every day he was in a different city. I mean, that just sounds horrible to me, you know, a traveling salesman kind of thing. So I get to unpack and stay for a week. So that part I enjoy. We go out at night, you know, walk around the cities we're in, find nice restaurants. That that part is fun. It's the airplanes that suck. I mean, mean, you just get so tired of airports and crowded airplanes and you know, skinny coach seats, and, and that, that part is, is not too pleasant. Yeah, sitting next to fat people. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. <laughs> the, you, you sit down in a seat, and the person next to you, the, the flab, like Frank's flab that we can kind of see here, for those of you listening at home. Uh, just painting a picture. Yeah, just, just painting a picture. It kind of overflows, you know, into the seat next to you, and, and that's the guy you don't want to be sitting next to. That's yeah, they, so don't worry, I showered this week, so, you know. <laughs> You must have traveled down to a science, though. Like, any tips for the new professional that is you know, just starting to build up their status or anything? Well, and you just said it, build up your status. Ah. Uh, the uh, famous philosopher Bob Rogers, who yes. we were referencing earlier, once told me, it's better to be somebody to someone than to be nobody to everyone. And that's what he's referring to. You know, pick an airline, or in these days, these are there's there's these uh, combination of airlines. Like I fly on One World, which is primarily for me American Airlines, British Airways. But then the miles all converge together, and you're you have status kind of across multiple airlines. So pick an airline, maybe based on where you live, you know, and 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 what a hub is near you or something like that. Same with a hotel. If you if you pick a hotel. I've stayed in Hilton brand hotels for years and years and years. I've been Hilton Diamond for years and years and years. And about a year ago, for some unknown reason, they made me Diamond for Life, Hilton Diamond for Life. Mm-hmm. Unobtainium. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 and so I have this, this metal membership card that they sent us that's a really cool card. And now whenever I check in, this must be a relatively new thing because the agents behind the desk that are checking you in, they're like, look at this. This guy's diamond. And they're waving the card in the air and bringing all their <laughs> colleagues over to see this. It feels like, you know, you're really a celebrity. 
And then they give you your two bottles of water and say, <laughs> "That's right, I get the same two bottles of water you get." So uh, uh, that that is true. Yes, but you're on the special floor. <laughs> and I just got an email the other day from American Airlines thanking me for four million miles wow. on American Airlines. How many times around the world is that? Yeah, quite a few. Quite a few. I think that's like the Moon and Bat crew. <laughs> but but you know, back to what you asked a minute ago. So yeah, I, I think try to pick. Hotels, pick a airline chain, you know, get get some status because then they take care of you when things go wrong too. You know, that's oh, nice. Yeah. You, you get in the lounge or you get, you know, maybe a slightly nicer seat sometimes. That kind of thing. That's nice. But one of the best things is that when something goes wrong, I'm the guy they take care of. You know, Frank, they're going to bump him. You know, <laughs> but, but me, you know, they're going to make sure I get on the next plane. So well, if they bump me, then you know, there's five a lot more less. people can come on. Wait, yeah, five more. That's right. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, and then all that <laughs> flab disappears in the seat next to me, and I can spread out. Everybody's happier. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's so right. true about the you know uh, just being able to complain because you've ever if you've ever gone down to the front desk or called in a hotel to say like. The person next door is being really loud or this room smells faintly of smoke or whatever. (laughs) The first question they're going to ask is, uh, what's your loyalty number? Yeah. And in the script they're running through either on the screen or in their mind, the, uh, you know, if you say, I don't have one, then it's, I'm sorry, that's. There's no rooms. Even if the parking lot is empty and you know they're lying, (laughs) sorry, there's no rooms. There's nothing I can do. For a long, long time, uh, in the early going with the conferences, we ran the MBS events in Poughkeepsie. Uh, Frank probably remembers yep, this because we could bring the developers literally across the street, and they could, <laughs> you know, meet the people in the session. So I spent a lot of time at the, that big hotel in downtown Poughkeepsie. I think it's the Poughkeepsie Grand, Grand now. Yeah. It was a Sheraton back when I was running these events. And I remember one night, late at night, I, I was kind of hungry in my room. I wanted a snack, and so I, I picked up the phone and dialed room service and started to give my order and the lady on the other end said glenn is that you (laughs) oh man i've been staying here way too long the usual (laughs) that's right yeah i had a similar experience i I was in laguardia and i was picking up uh, i was getting off a flight from delta and going to pick up my car and the bus driver the delta i mean the uh, Hertz. hertz bus driver said Oh, you're back again? <laughs> you, you know, you show somebody, uh, you know, executive platinum card from American Airlines, and, and uh, people often think it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because yeah. the blessing is you got great status, but the curse is you flew a heck of a lot of miles to get that card, and you're away from home a long time. A so It's safe to say you earned it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is right. So can you talk? Uh, we should do some technical stuff just, just for the fun of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how did you, especially in the beginning, because you said you don't really build classes anymore, how did you break stuff down to, like, say, WM? Because I've seen you uh, present WM a bunch of times, and that's not something that's relatively simple. How do you break something like that down when you're going to teach it? Well, I think one of the most important things that a lot of speakers and instructors miss is the big picture, always starting with the big picture and then periodically coming back to the big picture. Because technical guys, they dive down, they're crawling through parameters, you know, fields of reports or whatever. And and it's kind of like, how did we get here? You know, what, what was the point, you know, of this? And so I remember when we would create a class, I taught this four-and-a-half-day class on, on ZOS measurement and tuning, WLM, RMF, and all that stuff. And the first couple hours of the class were like a big picture overview of, you know, what's the point? 
you know, why are we here? You know, why do we care about this or that? And I always thought that was the most important part of the class because if people tuned into that and got that big picture, it's kind of like having a map, you know, you don't get lost then, you know. So three days later when you're on page, you know, <laughs> 785 in the manual figuring how the heck did I get here, you know, you remember maybe the overview. So I always worked really hard on those overviews and tried to make sure that they were just really top-notch teaching right, you know, from, from the get-go so that you could always refer back to that. And do you, do you ever build like an outline which you then build your – course around or how how do you start to how does it start to take shape right yeah you, you gotta even a one-hour presentation you need to start with a paper outline you know too many people today build a presentation by simply uh, looking at a set of powerpoint <laughs> charts and flipping them around you know until they <laughs> think they've got something and you really have to start with the big point that you're trying to make you know the two or three then points that support that that major point and build that outline, and then then you get good teaching out of, out of the hour or day or week, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, starting with an outline on paper and, and really laying out what are the objectives. Uh, and another interesting question: often people say, "Well, what am I doing now? I'm presenting chart three. I'm presenting chart four. And, and you should often ask, "What is the student doing now?" You know, do I have an huh. exercise that they can stop and do? Let's put a, a configuration up on the board and have everybody figure out where are the five things that this is wrong, you know. Or let's put an uh, RMF report up on the screen. Tell me what's wrong with this system by looking at this data. You know, so as a developer of the education, you ask the question, what is the student doing now, not what am I doing this minute, next minute, next minute, you know, as the teacher. I think that helps a lot. Well, that's, that's actually really, really valuable. Is, you know, it's funny. My next question was going to be, I'm teaching technical content, and technical content tends to be very dry. How do I keep people engaged when, you know, I'm talking about, here's how we're going to do a, a shift left logical on this? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, one thing that keeps people engaged is you you set the rhythm for what you're doing, you know. So, you know, this afternoon, you know, by the time we're done this afternoon here, you're going to know how to do these five things. And we're going to spend, you know, the first hour on the first one, 30 minutes on the second one, you know, this kind of thing. You set the rhythm so people kind of know where you're going for, for the afternoon. And then if you keep asking the question, what is the student doing now? You know, here's the sample problem let's work this together or they all stop and they log on to the system perhaps if you have that ability and they all do something for 30 minutes and then you come back and, and start the lecture up again so it's not just you know a boring guy up in front of the room you know reading powerpoint charts all afternoon that that will put them to sleep absolutely that's, that's why i figure the agendas are there so that people can go how much longer until the next thing well right? you know people like rhythm i mean yeah. you know that's why the drummer in a band is so important right <laughs> you know set the pace and set the rhythm and people people appreciate them that or they own the pa <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, as long as we're talking about IBM training, I, I, I would like to point out that even though we don't deliver the classes anymore, you know, we still put the curriculums together. And so if people are interested in training for any particular area, ZOS or, or whatever, ibm.com slash training, very easy URL. And there's all kinds of curriculum maps there and 
uh, guides that'll self-learning things that'll say, I want to learn about this. And they really do some cool stuff on the website, pointing you to blogs and videos to watch and things like that, not just classroom classes. And there's a brand new self-study, uh, a ZOS fundamentals, if you're trying to train some new people, a uh, self-paced kind of thing that's a combination of labs and, you know, and uh, lectures that you read yourself, things that you listen to, all of that. So I would encourage people, you know, to, to go to IBM.com slash training and still consider IBM training as the place to start. And there's a lot of cool stuff going on there, even though we've outsourced the, the delivery of, of stuff. You uh, uh, said in the beginning of this podcast that you saw a, a speaker and you wanted to be like him. So now, a few years later, uh, on the other end of your career, perhaps. Um, how oh, wait, it, wait, wait. What are you saying? That well, I'm old? You saying I'm old? I, I, I the was, other end of your career. Okay. That's a euphemism I was for you're really older ex- than you think ex- you are. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Maybe I I, I was not clear enough. Let me try again. I'm out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Now now that you're (laughs) anti-deluvial, how does it feel to be the guy that – In your twilight years. That's right. (laughs) Right right before – the the light's over here. Um, uh, How does does it feel to be – to have achieved that goal, to to be the person that everybody goes, I want to present like that? Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. I mean, I I love – as you pointed out, teaching people now how to be good presenters themselves. Those are some of my favorite professional development sessions that I do because I've been doing it my whole career, so I think I've gotten pretty good at it, <laughs> and I like to, you know, help other people get good at it too. You know, let's let's eliminate boring presenters, period. You know, let's get <laughs> yeah. everybody doing it the right way. But it, how does it feel? I mean, yeah, I feel accomplished. You know, I feel like I've done some good stuff for the industry over the years, <laughs> for mainframes over the years, and I'm happy about that, and I'm I'm still having a good time, but it's it's fun. Well, so um, since you're going to retire in 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm signing the papers here <laughs> while, while we have this uh, podcast discussion. Uh, you hear a little rattling in the background. It's me signing my retirement papers. <laughs> well, what, what would be – Excuse me. I need some Geritol. <laughs> Jeff, can you run out and give me some Geritol while we finish I'm this? Over oh, I'm over here. I'm over here. Oh, there you are. <laughs> yes, yes. He gets confused. That's right. He keeps bumping into the wall. I don't understand why. Uh so are, are you going to do this forever, or what happens when you say, I've, I've, I've finished with this? What comes next for, for Glenn? I can't just retire and, uh, and read do nothing? books and drink no, wine. I think, and... I think it's been <laughs> no. pretty clear that your wife is a lot happier when you're on the road, I think. You know? <laughs> Actually, I, I, I've thought about when I retire from IBM, which will be in the next few years. I mean, we kid about it, but I'm getting near the end here of, of wanting to work, you know, all day, every day. Right. You want to hit five, but, five million miles first, though, right? That, <laughs> I don't know, man. Another million miles? That's, that's a lot of miles. But I, I've thought about just trying to make myself available as a speaker for organizations that perhaps want someone to come and do an entertaining after-dinner speech or want some professional development. I mean, I do talks on how to create a collaborative work environment, how to be a more agile enterprise that are not tied to specific technology. And so I I would like to get in a situation where maybe a couple times a month I get to go out and do a presentation or a speech for somebody like that, you know, Speakers Bureau, that kind of thing. I think it would be fun. So if, if someone's listening to this podcast and they're uh, like either – Is someone listening to no. this? <laughs> um, no. Have you documented? Has this been proven that people do listen to this? Yes, my mom. 
Ah, okay. oh, there we go. Hi, yes. Jeff's mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hope hope you're that. having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so say somebody's listening to this, they're either new to the platform or maybe they spent 5, 10, 15 years in a very focused section of it. And they, they feel like they have something to share, but they're the idea of them being a speaker is not something they, you know, they're not, they don't feel like they're ready for it yet. How can they get ready to submit a session uh, and, and, you know, be one of those voices? I think the answer to most questions about becoming a better public speaker, overcoming issues and things like that is practice. You know, how do I? How do you get to Carnegie Hall? <laughs> Practice, and 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 so I would encourage someone. I mean, before you can come and speak at an event like this, I mean, I hope that you've tried it out your presentation in front of your peers and your you know your company, maybe a local user group. You know, I mean, user groups, uh, regional user groups are always looking for people to come and speak. So find out where your local Z user group is and, and volunteer to, to go give a presentation. You know, just the more you can get up in front of audiences and try it out. One of the one of the sessions you do that I, I, I got the pleasure of seeing over the first time in, in Melbourne is the uh, Yes And. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I was uh, hoping you'd say yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. And. and. <laughs> I'm going to take a long time to do it. When, when I was uh, a youngster back in my 20s and 30s, I was part of an improvisational comedy troupe in Chicago. And I went to the training program that Second City in Chicago runs called Second City Players Workshop. I graduated from that, so I knew a lot about improv. And and our troupe performed every weekend at a comedy club in Chicago. And the tenant that improvisational scenes is built on is the idea of saying yes and. You know, you and I get up on stage and we're going to do an improv. So there's no script. There's no pre-planning. So I say something that starts the scene and then you wanting to build on that, you know, say yes. You know, yes, I hear what you said, Glenn, and let me add to it. And so yes, and is the tenet of building good improvisational scenes. I took that and I said, you know, that's how you create a good collaborative work environment is that people say yes, and. And so I created this presentation on yes, and uh, I called the presentation yes, and how performing improv taught me about a collaborative IT environment. And so I tell improv stories about the different kinds of improv you can do and how it uh, relates to a collaborative environment. So if, if Frank and I are presenting to a client and he, Frank, proposes some sort of situation <laughs> and I look over and I say, I have no idea what you're talking about and I think you're wrong. That's that's incorrect? Yes. And uh, oh. if you were on stage doing an improv, that would, pretty that, much, that would shut down the improv <laughs> as well as your sales call that you're trying to do. It all gets shut down. So right? it's bad so. improv to say, what are you talking about? There's no stove here. We're not in the kitchen. <laughs> you got it. That is right. And you won't be on stage with me anymore if you do that. That's so for they sure. get out that hook. One of, one of the other tenets of improv is make your partner look good. <laughs> and, and if you're constantly negating everything they're saying. Is that why I sweat whenever we do these podcasts? <laughs> yes, and. Yes, and with good reason. But that, I'm very proud of that presentation. I think it's a it's very a cool one. presentation. That's the kind of presentation I think I could go out and do in general public after I leave IBM. In your twilight in the years, years. following my twilight years, yeah, yeah. In the winter of your life, again, would you there? So we have uh, a bunch of different snippets on this show, but um, uh, one of the ones that we do a lot 
or the ones I like the most are Tales from the Road. Ah, yes. So you must have a number of good Tales, Tales from, from the, the Road. road. Yes, yes. That. <laughs> that's very clever. Yeah, they, they said that in tandem. The second and they weren't time. even looking at each other. No. If you're listening at home. I try not to. Yeah. <laughs> the sight of all that fat really gets you going. <laughs> Yeah, let me let me lift that up and put it back on your side of the armrest there. <laughs> sure. So you want a couple of tales from the road? Oh yeah. boy, would we? Okay, I, I yeah, I have two that I like. I love to tell the stories of. They both happened, by the way, in Montpellier, France, hmm. uh, where for those of you that don't know, there's a large IBM facility. I've spent many weeks of my life teaching classes in Montpellier, working with the developers there, things like that, and so. You know, when you're ordering food in a country where you don't speak the language, interesting things can happen. <laughs> and there were all these great little restaurants in Montpellier, French restaurants. And I don't speak French, but I can at least read a menu and, and know what I'm ordering. So you would go to these restaurants at night, and they would hand you the card with these three-course menus on it. You know, so it would be a first course, a main, and then a dessert. And so they'd hand me the card, and, and I could read it enough, to, and the server would come over, and I'd point at the menu. I wouldn't try to say it in French because they'd just you know, laugh at me. So I'd point and say, you know, I'll take this, you know, I'll take this. And, and then, but they wouldn't take the dessert order. They'd always go away with the card. And so I'd get my appetizer, I'd get my main course, and then it would be time for dessert. But the server would not bring the card back. He would just come and stand at my table and in French recite all the choices that I had for dessert. And he would say them so fast and, and so Frenchy that I could never understand what he was saying. The only thing I could ever pick out of the list that he was going through was mousse au chocolat. I knew what that was. So so every night for dessert in Montpellier, I had the same dessert, mousse au chocolat, because that's the only thing I knew what to say back to the waiter, you know, without embarrassing myself. Did you did you pretend like you were mulling over the decision in your mind? And that's yes. You oh, yes, yeah. hmm. yes. Wow, what a great list. Wow. Yeah, okay. I think tonight I'll go with the mousse au chocolat. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so that's one one tale from the road about ordering food. The other is, is is the same kind of idea. One night, it was late at night. We'd worked late, and, and I just didn't have the energy for this long three-course French dinner. So I did something. I would never recommend anyone do this, but I did it that night just to, to get something done quickly. I went to McDonald's. There was a McDonald's in the center square in Montpellier. So you walk into the McDonald's, and on the wall behind where the cash registers are is a typical picture like you see in any McDonald's, and they have the meals that are numbered, you know. So you get a number one or a number two or a number three. You know, you want a Big Mac or a Quarter Pounder or whatever. And so I think this is going to be easy. So I look up there, and I see, okay, three, you know. So I walk up to the server, and, and, and I, I make a three with my fingers, and, and I say, toi, you know, un, deux, mm -hmm. toi, at least I can say that. So toi. And... I'm thinking, this is it. You know, this, this can't be that complicated. And she looks back at me and she starts yapping at me in French. And I'm thinking, what could she be asking me about? <laughs> and I realized the only variable in this was what beverage you wanted. You know, are they going to fill your glass with Coca-Cola or 7-Up? Or, you know, what's the beverage going to be? And so when she finishes this long French sentence, I look at her with perfect confidence and I say, Coca-Cola. And she looks back at me in English and says, I was asking if you wanted ketchup for your French fries. <laughs> <laughs>
So there you go, trying to guess what what somebody's saying to you. So when in doubt, just don't guess. That's right. When in doubt, don't guess. Yes. Well, and you know, this these uh, meal things are important to me because you know lots of people use Yelp or or Urban Spoon. I almost always use Glenn Anderson. Yes. Wherever I am. Hey, where should we go for dinner? <laughs> and it, where did we go here? The grill from... It's a very cool Brazilian restaurant near the Hilton Hotel here called The Grill from Ipanema. Yeah, it was, the food was the song good. Now. But they, they played the song five times while we were there. Oh, five okay. times. So Yeah, they so, need a little variety. So Jeff, Jeff has been singing the song. Every time he thinks it might be out of my head, <laughs> he puts it back in there. Amazing. So tonight at the event, we're having, uh, there's an event night tonight. We yes. always have a party one night at these conferences, for those of you that haven't been. Glenn, I'd say it's a party every time. Every night. Here. Every night. Exactly. Okay, that's true. But tonight is an officially sponsored uh, party. <laughs> and, and so there's going to be some games to play, sporting, virtual reality, tailgate, food, this kind of thing. And so the other day, the logistics people contact me, and they said, we're going to have a DJ playing music. And so I wrote back to the, the manager of our, of our team and said, look, I said, I do not want a 22-year-old DJ that's going to play dance club, boom, 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 boom stuff all night long. You know, I know my crowd here. They're in their 40s and 50s and 60s. You know, they're not going to like this. And so she wrote back and she said, okay, tell me what you want. You know, give me a, a playlist. So I got to supply the playlist for tonight. So it starts with Elvis. Beatles, Beach Boys, Rolling Stones. <laughs> it goes on from there. People Jeff has never heard of. He's rolling say, his any, any eyes. Cab Calloway on there. <laughs> <laughs> Benny Goodman. Yeah. I just want to know, are they going to do Girl from Ipanema? That's yes. what I want to know. Yeah. So I don't know if they'll play Girl from Ipanema, but my point is that maybe we'll get that song out of your head tonight because there'll be some, <laughs> some good old rock and roll well, playing like, at the party. Like no, it. because tomorrow, first thing I do when I wake up is I'm going to text Frank, Doot, do, do, and that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's obvious that this podcast has gone on just a little bit too long. <laughs> so I want to take this opportunity. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, thanks for letting us be here for the last time. Yeah, thank you uh, for the room. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the room, yes. The fact that we've had this room to, uh, you know, to do these uh, broadcasts, uh, recordings, I should say. Yeah, and so folks at home, you can come to one of these uh, Z-Tech universities next year, and maybe the two celebrities, Frank and Jeff, will be there, and you <laughs> hey. can see them in person, meet them, these Terminal Talk guys, and watch them do podcasts. Of course, we won't be allowed to do sessions, because no. uh, we we were told already <laughs> that was a bad thing, but you know. Hey. Any, any uh, websites people should be going to to find out more about uh, upcoming events? Yes, uh, back to the same one, ibm.com slash training slash events all of the worldwide events are listed there so if you are in good with your manager maybe you can come to london for the european <laughs> ztechu in may next year uh, or the u.s ones are all there as well yep thank you very much uh, it's been a, a blast guys <laughs> thanks yeah uh thank you for listening dear listener if you uh want to reach out to us uh you can do just that contact at terminaltalk.net and out on the Twitters, at Terminal Talk. And we're always listening to what's going on in the mainframe subreddit, slash r slash mainframe. Here's Old Man Charlie to say pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Old Man Charlie, run us out.
You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.